Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Come on, make some noise for Jesus if you're thankful. Give him a hand clap of praise. Well, if you're thankful you have a God who loves you no matter what, give him some praise. I wonder if there's any thankful people at church today. If you're thankful that it is November and it is 70 degrees outside, give him some praise. Here's the big one. If you're thankful that you got an extra hour of sleep this morning, give him some praise. Shama. All right. Amen. Hey, we are, welcome to week one of a brand new series we are starting. It's a two-part series just this week and next uh, called Grateful. And for those um, uh, OCD, we know we spelled it wrong, okay. Um, it's intentional and we'll, it'll make sense as today's message uh, goes on. Um, but it is simply put uh, a series, a two-week series on, on the idea, the concept of, of gratitude and, and gratefulness. And I'm so grateful uh, to be here with you today. I'm so grateful for all of those who chose to come to church and uh, for just you being you and us being here. I'm grateful for, for Journey Church and, and I'm really hoping that this message will uh, encourage you. I know it's a little early um, to be talking about Thanksgiving, but probably not really. Uh, you might be able to tell by the, the color code combination in our series or by the decor and the shopping centers or uh, the weather, that the seasons are a-changing. Anybody love changing seasons? I, I'm definitely a fan of, of that. Uh, at Journey, we love seasons. Um, not just because seasons are an excuse, you know, to preach about monsters for four weeks in October like we did. Or not just because seasons are an excuse to serve hot chocolate in church like we do in Christmas. And um, I love seasons and we love seasons here at Journey. Because seasons are a celebration of change. And, uh, and change, man, change is a funny thing. Because uh, whether you choose it or it is forced upon you, uh, it is inevitable and unescapable. Change is a part of life and you can't stop it. At least that is what the gray hairs on my head are telling me. Uh, that uh, I, can't, I can't get away from it. And uh, it's crazy to think that in just eight weeks, uh, more or less, guys, uh, the year's over. Like we're going into a new year. Like 2018 just got here. Anybody else in that same and we're already moving into 2019, and the next thing you know, it'll be 2055, and we'll all be on hoverboards. It's going to be crazy, and just not ready for all this change. There are some people, though, who are probably super excited about getting into 2019 because they're just ready to close the chapter on 2018. There are probably some people who are really excited because change is happening in their life. Maybe there are some, uh, maybe some pregnant people in the house today. Anybody pregnant? Got a baby in your bed? Coming out in 2019. Hey, hallelujah. Come on. Can't wait for it to get out, right? Uh, maybe. <laughs> that's kind of true. Um, and then there are people who maybe you're uh, engaged, you know, and, uh, and in tw by 2019 you'll be married and you can't wait for the change uh, of that. Anybody engaged here? Raise your hand if you're gay. Come on, I see that. Hey, okay, we got a little engaged party up in here. Got engaged people. By 2019 you'll be living with your best friend and and, uh, and it will be changed and you'll be able to worship God and you know what I'm talking about. And so it will be awesome. And 
Gotta be changed and simmer down. And uh, that'll be cool. It's just PG. And uh, that'll be great. Maybe you're a high school student. And I know you're here today because we don't have JYE on the first Sunday of the month. And you're excited because, you know, it's one year closer um, to, to getting out of the house and going into college. But I just need to pause before you get excited about that and just tell you it is not as great as you think. And that you ought to stay home as long as you can. Because there is nothing excited about rent. And somebody said, amen. Oh, let them pay the bills as long as you can, okay? I'm just saying, your whole life you think that elves put the milk in the fridge. They don't. Somebody buys that stuff. And it just happens to be there every time that you're there. Yet on the other hand, there are a group of people here today who are listening to this sermon, hearing my voice, maybe watching this on YouTube or a podcast weeks from now, years from now. Uh, and you're not as excited. You're, 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 you're probably struggling with the end of this year. And maybe even a little battling a little bit with it emotionally. Ironically, for exactly the opposite reason for those who are celebrating it. Because it's one more year, but nothing's changed. Your marriage is still in the position that it was in a year ago. Your finances are still in a position that they were in a year ago. Your relationships are still in a position that they were in a year ago. Your friendships, your home still haven't bought that home, still haven't graduated, still haven't found that job, and I don't know if I'm preaching to myself, but if there anybody here who can identify with the experience of watching the calendar change every 30 days or watching the page turn on your calendar, at the same time watching the pages of the story of your book stand still. Like I just have not moved. I've, I've been where I am for a long time, and I want to encourage you today. How I want to teach you this morning, this afternoon, how to transition into that next season. If you're here and you feel stuck or you've ever been stuck or you think you might enter into a season of stuckness, I want to help you get out and get going and moving on because I believe and I want you to believe that God has got a better place for you in 2019. And listen, this isn't a sermon on, on New Year, but this is a sermon on transition. And I want to teach you really simply that the secret to transition, listen, is gratitude. Believe it or not, the secret to transition is having an attitude of gratitude. I learned that when um, my family transitioned from New York City to um, Brandon, Florida, which is not New York City. And, uh, and I remember when we moved, man, I, and I think one of the reasons why I hated the move so much was because I had to have had the worst first day in a new city ever. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. I'll tell you about my first day. You can be the judge. Um, and I've never told this story before at church. But uh, I remember our first day, my parents wanted to acclimate us, specifically my dad. And so he wanted me to have like a similar experience in Florida that I had in New York. And so as we pulled in to, to Brandon, he stopped at a McDonald's because he wanted me to know, you know, hey, they got McDonald's in, in Brandon too. I'm like, they got McDonald's in Nigeria. Don't mean I want to go there, okay. And so, but he's like, no, it's going to be good. Just order what you always get. And I was like, all right, fine. I'll get a Coke and a cheeseburger. And, and I got the cheeseburger. And when I bit the cheeseburger, I about flipped. Mustard. My people know. See, in New York, they don't put mustard in your hamburger. You got to ask for it. It's an addition. No, thing. But in Florida, I guess because it's kind of south and it is a southern thing. And they, they put mustard in your burger. Without, and I bit into this cheeseburger and I was so upset. I'm like, the one thing that's supposed to be the same is not the same. And to this day, I don't eat mustard. 
It's like a, it's not even a physical, it's like a psychological, spiritual barrier keeps me from the smell, the smell of my, I smell mustard, I break down. I mean, it's this bad. That was that. And then we get to the apartment complex, which is a uh, gated community. I've never seen a gated community um, in New York. I mean, granted, you know, there was a metal detector before I walked into high school, but we didn't have gates. You know what I'm saying? So gated community. And, I, and my dad gives me the code to put into the thing, to open up the thing, because we didn't get the thing on the car. So I go to the box, and I, I type in the code. And as I, as I type in the code, I start to feel a burning sensation on my leg. And I look down, and I've got red fire ants. This true story is the second thing that happens to me in my music, crawling all up over my leg, biting me. And I'm freaking out. I'm like, I hate Florida. We don't have red ants, you know, in the state, in, in New York. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got rats and we got roaches and we got, you know, like criminals. But everything in New York is, is big enough to shoot at. But the ants, I couldn't get the ants off of me. So... I, I went to get the code in. I run to my apartment. I take off my clothes. I jump in the bath. I'm so upset. I hate this new place. And then on my way into the house, the last thing hits me. It ticked me off, and it was the worst thing. As I walk past, oh, by the way, we moved in December, Christmas time. And I'm going to quote, air quote that because my idea of Christmas before Florida was totally different. I'm going, and as I'm going into my house, I see my neighbor has one of them blow up. Frosty the snowman. And, I, and I, that was it. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. I'm like, no. You cannot have this both ways. Either you are a cold climate and you can make snowmen, or you are a warm climate and Frosty dies. But one, of the, one way or the other, you just can't have Frosty there, man. And I got so upset because it felt like I, I was going to be stuck in one season my whole life. Summer, you know, in summer. Anyway, so I was, and, and I was, and I was so upset. And, and to, be, to, be, to be honest, though, truth be told, the real reason I was upset, all that was kind of like a manifestation, but like the source was because I was in a relationship at the time. And, you know, I thought that I loved this girl that I was with even though I was 16. Which if you're 16 and you think you're in love, I mean, how can I put this gently? No. <laughs> but we got history. You're 16. Unless your history starts in heaven, <laughs> it ain't history. <laughs> okay. Um, and so anyway, it doesn't need to hear nor there, but that helps somebody. Okay, that helps somebody. And so, and, and I have friends, friends that I grew up with the whole time. And so I'm leaving. Oh, and it was the middle of my junior year of high school. So it was just, I, I, I was looking back at my, and I, and and I was complaining about all the things that I was leaving. And, and, but my sister, though, oh, she loved moving to Florida. She loved it because when she moved, she was in the seventh grade, middle school. And if you've ever been to middle school, you know. Middle school is the worst. There's nothing good about middle school. Because in that time, you know, your body's going through puberty and all those transitions and changes. And you smell. You don't know why you smell. And it's got things and you haven't really figured out the deodorant thing yet. And then, and, then, and then you're still trying to figure out what's cool, what's not cool. And not only that, she was in seventh grade. So she was in the middle of middle school. So she was happy to go. Now listen, I couldn't help but see Frosty dying. <laughs> she couldn't help but see 
pools year-round. She was excited. She was able to transition. She saw things I couldn't see because she left what we left differently, even though the place we were going to was the same. Here's what I'm trying to say. What you see in your next season is determined by the way you see your last one. What you see in your next season is determined by the way you see your last one. And if you transition in gratitude, you can transition well. But if you transition in complaining, you'll never make it to the next place that God has for you. And it can be a beautiful place like Florida, but you won't be able to appreciate it because you're too busy complaining about the last one. I think this is what Moses was telling the Israelites in the book of Deuteronomy. They're about to go into the promised land. They're about to transition. They were stuck in neutral for 40 years in the desert. Could not move because they could not appreciate. They could not be grateful. They're stuck in the desert. And before they transition into the promised land, Moses gives them a head up. He says, listen, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that gush out into valleys and hills. It is a land of wheat and barley, of grapevines, of fig trees, of pomegranates, of olive oils and honey nut Cheerios. And a land full of plentiful when nothing is lacking. And a land where, I love honey nut Cheerios. And a land where iron is as common as stone and copper is abundant in the hills. And when you have eaten your fill, here's the key. Be grateful. <laughs> be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. But that is the time to be careful. Tell your neighbor, be careful. Beware that in your plenty you don't forget God. And disobey his commands and regulations and decrees that I'm giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in. And when your flocks and herds have become very large. And your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else. Be careful. Do not become proud at this time. And forget that God did it for you. Don't forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with his poisonous snakes and scorpions and where it was so hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna from the sky. Food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. Now, i got to be honest. There's a little, I read that. I know that was long, but I had to read that because that's a bit of what I call revisionist history or selective memory. Boy, does God make those 40 years in the desert sound awesome. But he leaves out the fact that it was a desert. <laughs> he leaves out that one part in the story. I don't know if you read it, where the earth opens up and about a third of the population fall into this chasm and die. He left that part out. He said, man, uh, water from a rock. <laughs> about that one time, I don't know if you remember this, but there was actually an infestation of venomous snakes and hundreds of thousands of people died. It's not there. What's God doing? Is he trying to put his best foot forward? No, he actually talks about all those things in another chapter. But I believe God is mentioning the good things because, listen, here's what he's trying to do. He wants to make sure that you don't let what you went through keep you from enjoying the fact that you got through. Because it's easy to look back at everything you went through and be like, oh, well, I went through that and I went through that. Yeah, but you're alive, aren't you? It's not about what you went through. It's about what you got through. And you can't let the fact that you went through some stuff steal the joy that God got you through it. Because if you can't appreciate what you went through for the fact that you got through, you will never get to the promise that God has for you. That's a whole lot of use and a whole lot of rhyming. But it's to get the point that you got to be able to appreciate. I know I haven't got to my title yet, but I'm about to get there, I promise. It's gratitude for your past that helps you appreciate your future. 
This is why I learned this. Listen, I learned this when, 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 when we took Zane and Justice to, to uh, Disney World uh, to celebrate their graduation. They had their homeschool and they graduate from homeschool. I didn't know you could graduate from homeschool because you were at home. And so they did it though. And, and Justice was graduating uh, first grade, going to second. And Zane was graduating kindergarten, going to first. And we, we were there. And, and it was funny because he realized at Disney that he will always be the younger brother. But it never occurred to him. When we were there, he was like, he was like, oh, Justice, what grade are you going to? He's like, I'm graduating. I'm going to second grade. And he's like, oh, I can't wait to get to second grade because then I'll be in the same grade as you. And then Justice is like, it don't work like that, bro. <laughs> when you get a second, I'll be in third. He's like, but well, then what happens when I get to third? He's like, I'll be in fourth. <laughs> and he just broke down in the middle of Disney World. Listen, he couldn't appreciate he couldn't appreciate the fact that he was graduating because although he was graduating a grade, he had not graduated in gratitude. In fact, that's the title of my message, Graduating in Gratitude. Because it's not about what happens around you that fills you. It's about what you decide to let in you that fills you or empties you. That's why we had to separate great from fullness. That's why we did the sermon series, Great Full, because we want to create two ideas. That greatness is not necessarily fullness. That you can live a quote-unquote great life and still be empty. That a full wallet does not translate into a full heart. That a full plate of food does not translate into a full heart. That a full trophy shelf does not translate into a full heart. But if you want a full heart, wave at me if you want a full heart. Wave at me if you want a full heart. If you want a full heart, a full heart is achieved when you can find a mouthful of praise, thanksgiving, appreciation, and gratitude. Maybe what you need in your life, I know this is crazy, but maybe what you need in your life isn't more achievement. Or more accumulation. But maybe what you need in your life is more appreciation for the things that God has already given you. Or else when you get into the things that he has for you, you'll complain instead of get praise. You won't be able to transition. You'll be stuck in kindergarten. The people in Israel were left back in the desert. They didn't graduate because they didn't have the gratitude to get them there. That's what I want to teach you about. This is what I try and teach my kids. This is why we have the kitty table. Would you bring out the kitty table real quick? I teach my kids to be grateful. I teach them gratitude. Um, I, I do this, and I do this at the table. And this is the kitty table right here. How many people, you know, and Thanksgiving, you got the adult table and you got the kitty table. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, we say that it's for their benefit, but it's really segregation. That's what it is. It's really for our benefit. We just, we love them. We just don't want to see them for an hour. And so... We created the kitty table so they could play with their friends, which is cold for get the heck out of here. And so, but we had this kitty table, and this is the table where I teach my kids. And by the way, I do mean teach, because I don't know if you know this, but gratitude is not natural. You actually got to practice it. You, 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 nobody's born out the womb, and so the doctor spanks them, but thank you. I appreciate that. You know, we come out the womb saying, mine, more, I want, I want, I want. Never thank you. So we got to teach them. And so I do that at the table every morning at breakfast. Breakfast is a big meal at our house because I don't get to always be there for lunch or dinner. But I'm always there for breakfast. And so our house is a big deal. And at breakfast, I got to teach my kids to say thank you. And we, and we do. We say thank you to two people every morning when we have breakfast. We say thank you to God. And we say thank you to mommy. Because happy wife, happy life. <laughs> and so I tell my kids, um, I will come after you if you don't make that woman happy. Because <laughs> then that's my problem. And so um, thank you, God. Thank you, mommy. And, uh, and, 
and, uh, and, uh, and I'll tell them this. And it's important. And we do that when we pray for our food. We say, you know, thank you, God, for the food. When we go out to eat, it's different. We say, thank you, God, and thank you, Daddy, because I paid for it. But when we're here, they made it. We say, thank you, God, and thank you, Mommy. And so, um, and we thank God. We thank God for it, you know, and, and that's, that's what we do. And, and by the way, I don't know where in the Bible or where in Christian history this shifted, but somewhere in history we started asking God to bless the food, like to make it nourishing to our bodies. Anybody ever prayed that before? God, would you, would you make it nourishing? That's not Bible, y'all. Like, your prayer, like, it's a donut. And there is no amount of prayer that is going to eliminate the calories from that donut. You know, I'm sick and tired of people, you got a pecan pie. Lord, I just bless this, Lord. I just, you would just anoint this pecan, eliminate all the sugar. You know. You don't bless the food and ask God to make it better. You're thanking God for the food. This is what it is. Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy 8.10. It says it right here. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. It's, thank you for the donut. Thank you for the food. It's, this is the first level of gratitude that I'm teaching you. This is the elementary school, grade school. It's for the. We are grateful for the. It is thanking God for the fact that he has given you what he has given you. And it's so key and it's so foundational, but we don't do it. And if we don't do it, we will forget all that he's given us and we will live in a consistent state of deficit and depression. Because we're going to feel emptier than we actually are. I remember when Zane and I were in Alabama and I took him to the science center. And then, and then the next day he complained because he couldn't go back to the science center. And I said, why are you crying? He said, because we never go to the science center. And I'm like, we just went yesterday. And, and, and he's like, but we don't go. And I said, you know what? We went to the apartment where I was staying at and we just got a list. And I said, I want to do a list. I want you to put a line down here. I want you to write everything you're upset about here. And he said, I'm upset because I don't get to go to the science center again. I said, cool. Now on this side, I want you to write down all the things that you're grateful for. He couldn't think of one. I said, I got one. I'm thankful for the patience of my pops for not spanking my butt, for not being grateful, for taking me to the science center. Write that down. <laughs> I had to get him started, you know. And I said, well, let me, let me keep it going, Papi. How about I'm grateful for the fact that I have a mom and a dad. I'm grateful for the fact that I've got Disney passes. I'm grateful for the fact that I got a television. I'm grateful for the fact that I got two dogs. I'm grateful for the fact, and then when, when he said that, he stopped me. He said, oh, 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 I'm grateful for my brother. He said, I'm grateful for my grandpa and my grandma. I said, yeah, and then it went, and it went, and it went. And this, I like that sometimes. Sometimes we just got to get your gratitude started. And once you get it started, you start to realize all the amazing things that you have in your life. Can we do that right quick? Can we just be grateful for some things? I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for the fact that I've got legs. I'm grateful for the fact that I've got toes. I hear that if I don't have the big one, I fall over. I'm grateful. I got the big one. I'm grateful for the fact that I got arms. I'm grateful for the fact that I got ears. I'm grateful for the fact that I got the sun. Come on, what are you grateful for? Just shout some things at me. Come on. Grateful for family. I'm grateful for my wife. Trying to get some points. Trying to get some points with I'm grateful for the, he already said wife. I'm grateful for the job. <laughs> I'm grateful for electricity. I'm grateful for the, for the home I live in. I'm grateful. And there's somebody here thinking, okay, JJ, we get it. Move on to the next point. No, that's exactly why you can't get to the next point in your life because you don't stay in this point long enough. Thank you for the sun. Thank you for the air conditioning. Thank you for my chair. Thank you for this pulpit. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the microphone. Thank you for the table. Thank you for the stage. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for hope. Thank you for life. Thank you for a country where we can come to church and not be persecuted. Thank you for a government. Thank you for for the law. Thank you for police officers. Thank you for protection. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the for the. Listen, this is why so many marriages collapse, y'all. Or if you're going to get into a marriage, be careful that you don't create a list of everything wrong with your spouse, but you don't remember to write one thing down of all the things you're grateful for. 
I, I'm not proud of it, but my wife and I, we got into an argument in, uh, in Venice. I don't even know what it's about. It's about something stupid. But, but, but I was so mad, so mad. Because I spent a lot of money on this vacation. And I was like, you cannot be mad in Venice. And I didn't know what to do. And so I just sat back and I thought, you know what, I'm not going to be able to change her. I'm going to have to change me. And this is what I did. I created a list of all the things I'm thankful for about her. It was so, it was hard at first. <laughs> but then it was so easy. I, started, I wrote it down and said, I'm thankful for the fact that she cooks breakfast for my family every morning. I'm thankful for the fact that you don't see it, but every time before I preach, she lays her hands on me and prays that God would use me powerfully to preach his word. Every Sunday. Every Sunday she finds me, makes sure she prays for me. I'm grateful for the fact that before we left on that trip, she went shopping at Victoria's Secret. I'm grateful for the... <laughs> just, I'm just saying I'm grateful. I'm just grateful and I'm... And I'm grateful for them. And, and the list went long and it went, so, it went so long that I forgot why I was even mad. Listen, this is why you don't have friends. Because you got a list in your mind of everyone who hurts you, but you fail to record all the people who've helped you. So now you can't trust anybody when there were at least 10 or 20 people who got you to where you were. But you know, your list isn't fair. All you got is everything. And listen, you better, you better write it down. I'm telling you right now, because what you take for granted eventually gets taken away. Boy, I'm so glad God is not like the utility company. They make sure you appreciate them. As a matter of fact, every month you get a thank you reminder. It's called a bill. <laughs> Better say thank you. And if you don't, I'm going to take it away. Come on. And that's Netflix. That's Verizon. That's AT&T. How much more are we ought to give to the God who's given us living water, bread of life, hope, mercy, forgiveness. Come on. If he's done that for us, the least we can do is say thank you for the, thank you for the, thank you for the. That's the least we can do is give it back to him. Guys, come on. That's why I do this. I hope you know. Not for you. No offense. I do it for the I say, I can't do it for you because I've been in church long enough to know that you might not be here next week. I've been in church long enough to know that next year you might find a better church. What church you think is better? You might find. I, I can't do it for you because if I do it for you, then when you don't show up, I show up. But if I do it for the, if I do it for the one who gave his life for me, if I do it for the God who loves me day in and day out, I can be consistent because his grace and his mercy is consistent. I'm preaching way better than, I'm at the wrong church for this message right now. <laughs> for the, thankful for the. Got to do it, man. And I'll tell you what, as much cool as this is, though, you can't stay here. You can't stay here because life isn't this simple. If you've lived life long enough to know that, that life isn't always sunshine and rainbows. That it's not always blessing and food. Sometimes we go through hard stuff. And so we need a more complex theology to deal with more complex situations. And to do that, we've got to go from Professor Moses to Professor King David. Because David wasn't like Moses. Moses was raised in the palace, but David was raised in the pasture. Moses was raised by people who couldn't stop talking about how great he was. But David was raised around people who wouldn't appreciate anything they did. And so he comes around and he writes Psalms 23 around this time. And in Psalms 23, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And, and when he says that, automatically he graduates us from the kiddie table to the banquet table. Let's bring out the banquet table real quick. He graduates us from the kiddie table to the banquet table because the first level of maturity listen or graduating the first level of maturity is understanding listen that you don't always get what you want i didn't get one amen on that didn't expect it that's cool the first level of graduating is here understanding you don't always get what you want 
that life doesn't always give you what you want. And when you get there, listen, can you still be grateful? Because true maturity is not just understanding that, but furthermore, realizing that even though you don't get what you want, that is still not an excuse to not be grateful. That's why he wrote in verse 4, he said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, or the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Are you catching this? Moses taught us how to thank God for the. David comes along and teaches us how to thank God even though. Even though I'm broke, I thank you, God. Even though I'm going through hell right now, I thank you, God. Even though I ain't got no money, I thank you, God. Even though I ain't got no job, I thank you, God. Even though my situation ain't good, I thank you, God. Even though, even though, even though, even though. Why? For you are with me. You see, the one thing that doesn't change in a season of turmoil is the one who stands with you in the season of turmoil. And so, so David's got nothing good in his life to say thank you for. And so instead, he gives thanks for the good one who has never left his side. See, Moses is teaching us how to give thanks for the presence. P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. David is teaching us how to thank God for his presence. P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. Because where can I go from your presence? Where can I hide? If I go to the depths of hell, you are there. If I climb the mountains, you are there. In my sin, you are there. And no matter what, you're there. And by the way, it isn't just, it isn't just us saying even though to God, like we're all that. Even though you slay me, God, I'm going to stick with you. Even though you put me through some stuff, I'm going to, you know what God's saying? Chill out. God's over here like, oh yeah? Even though you're crazy, I still love you. Even though you're struggling with the same sin and have been for the last five years, I want you to know, I'm still here for you. Even though you got habits, even though you got sin, even though you got shame, even though, even though, even though, give God praise because he's an even though God. Even though, even though, even though, even though, even though, even though, even though. And this is what he says, he goes, and you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I love that. Because what he's saying is, is, is you just, maturity here is not just thanking God, knowing that you can't always get what you want, but also understanding that you can't always control what happens. See, the question I asked myself when I read this is, why would an enemy come to my dinner table? Unless they were an uninvited guest. There are things in your life that will come in that were never invited. What will you do when those things come in? In the presence of my enemies. There are things in your life that you cannot control. When I was younger, I didn't know this. I was a lot more naive. I thought that if, I know it's crazy, but see, I thought that if you worked hard, you wouldn't get laid off. Turns out that's not true. Uh, oh, I thought that if you get a bachelor's degree, you'd get a job. I know. I just thought you could control the outcome. Oh, how about this? I thought that if you bought a home, that the value of that home should always go up no matter what. But then 2008 happened. And people lost their homes. This don't actually happen to me. I thought that if you were a good boyfriend, your girlfriend would never cheat on you. Anybody else say amen to that? I thought there are things in your life that you can't control. But here's what I love about David. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Here's what maturity did for me. I began to understand, catch this, I began to understand that that when, that, that when my enemies are seated, listen, that you can't eat until everybody comes to the table. Is anybody else's family like that? Where you're not allowed to eat food until, they, until everybody shows up? 
I remember one Christmas, I had a brother-in-law who was an hour and a half late. We all had to wait for the food. I told him, I said, bro, you better get down here or it's going down. And by down, I mean down my throat. I'm going to eat this. If you don't show up. <clears throat> you know why David was able to write this? Because cause, cause when, before he became king, there was a guy named Samuel who was supposed to elect the next king. But he didn't know who it was. All he knew was that it was one of the sons of Jesse. But Jesse had seven sons. With David, he had eight. And every son that came across wouldn't the son. And they were sacrificing and they were anointing and there was a meal because the meal always took place after the sacrifice. And they were going to sacrifice the animal and then eat some of the pieces. And so the table is set. The meal is set. But when David's not there, Samuel says to Jesse, do you have another son? Are you pregnant? Where's this? One of your kids is the king, but it's not one of these seven. And Jesse says, well, there's one more kid, but he's not even here right now. And then Samuel says, cool. <clears throat> Nobody sits until he gets here. And then David, you got to imagine, comes in from the shepherd field, beaten, broke down, exhausted. And he gets home, drops whatever he was carrying, looks at all of his enemies. The brothers who hated him, the father that never appreciated him, are surrounded at a table that is already set. This is the image of Psalm 23. This is where he gets it from. And along with his enemies is his anointing and his next season. And that was etched in his mind so that whenever David would be surrounded by enemies in the future, he would correlate being surrounded by my enemies by being covered by his presence and his anointing. And he was never afraid. And so years later, he gets in front of Goliath and the Philistines are surrounding him. He goes, ooh, what used to get me upset is getting me excited. I see enemies around me. That means he's going to bless me. That means he's going to take me to the next level. That means he's moving me on. That means he's moving me out. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm trying to tell you that the enemies in your life, the ones that look like they're there to destroy you, are there to promote you, are there to graduate you. They're not going to kill you. They're your final exam. They're your final exam. Go stand on your feet as we wrap up. I got a whole third point. Can't get to it. But that just means that you needed to hear this. Somebody is in an even though situation right now. And even those situation, surrounded by enemies, and your praise is struggling. Listen, I, 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 I think you could write this down, but I'm trying to teach you is that there is never a season where you can't find a reason to be grateful. In every season, there's a reason, whether it's for the or even though. There's a reason to be grateful. And if you want to get out of where you've been stuck at, start seeing that season in a different light. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody, you came to church today, even though, going through something. You had no idea why you're here. I want to tell you why you're here. God has a plan for your life. He wants to meet you and he wants to restore you. Every head bowed and every eye closed for just a second. If you're here today and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, you want to get a fresh start, with Jesus. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to raise your right hand to the sky as a signal. Jesus, I need you in my life. I need you in my life. I need you in my life. Right here, right now, here's your opportunity. You could have stood home. You could have given up. You could have thrown in the towel, but you came even though. This is your chance. When I say three, if that's you and you want to get a fresh start this morning, raise your right hand to the sky as a signal. God, I need you. One, two, three all over this building right now. Come on, I see that hand. Come on, I see it. You're starting to see your past differently. You're starting to see your hardship differently. You're starting to see that desert differently. 
Come on, I know it's hard, but it's time to be grateful for the and even though. It's time to be grateful. Get out of this season with your thanksgiving. Get out of this season with your praise. Put your hand down. I want you to pray this prayer with me, and I want everybody to pray it together. Worship team here on the mics. Everybody, let's pray it. Father God, Father Father God, God, here I am. give you my life. I start fresh today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.